0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message.
1: Tonight we are concluding um, we are ending our series on Watch Your Status. And we have an excitement, exciting preacher that's gonna deliver this message for us. So may Desmond. So we're just going to pray with him. Um, just, so just stretch out your hand as we pray with him. And so Lord, we thank you, God, that um, it's your purpose for him to preach tonight, God. It's, it's your plan. And so Lord, I thank you that every word that comes out of his mouth, God, is spirit-filled. And Lord, I thank you that it will penetrate our hearts. And God, it will sanctify us this evening, God, to become more like you. So Lord, we hand him over into your hands And say, Jesus, He's in your hands. Take control. And Lord, He's just your vessel this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's it's good to be here. We've we've had a terrific time the past four weeks. Some of you guys, it's maybe your first Sunday here. Uh, but we've been talking about relationships for the past four weeks now. And uh, this is the penultimate, uh, I googled that word, the final the final topic on that. Um, if, t- if I take us back a little bit, um, in the first week we co- first covered marriage and Pastor Chris spoke about uh, God, is, God uh, cares about marriage. And he also spoke about that marriage is like an enigma. I also had to go google that word. It's almost like it's a, it's a mystery to us. But when I started researching it, it started to minister to me so much. Um, then the next week, uh, Philip was here at the evening service. He spoke about uh, being, in a, uh, being in a relationship. yes, And he said that one line, that we will not start it unless it ends in marriage. And his, his whole thing was to begin with the end in mind. To start your marriage, to start a relationship with the end goal in mind. I think it even became a, a meme that uh, circulated on, designed by Lincoln actually. Uh, good job, good job. But um, it was a really, really impactful sermon. And then we moved on the following, and we spoke about um, uh, being single. And this one, even though I'm married, probably hit me the most. Because even as a married man, I realized I had so many misconceptions and pre- preconceptions about what singleness is. And the thing that Pastor Chris spoke that day is he said that Jesus came and he redeemed singleness. I don't know if that got you guys like it got me. But... Explained Jesus growing up in this this Jewish culture where people were betrothed as a 16, 17 year old. You already knew you were going to marry like Mary and Joseph. And still he remained single all up to the age 30, up to 33 when he died. I'm 33 right now. You know, and uh, Jesus died at age 33, a single virgin man who split time in half, who changed the course of the world. And that just uh, broke so many misconceptions I have because we, we walk with singles a lot, Emily and I. Um, so today we, we're going to speak about it's complicated. And um, uh, because it's complicated, <laughs> I want to pray before I start. But uh, I also want, but before I pray, I want to tell you why I want to pray. Uh, Emily and I, this is my wife Emily, we've been married for, for eight years now. Mm-hmm. That? No, that wasn't planned. That wasn't planned. <laughs> that wasn't planned. We've been married for, for eight years now. And for, out of those eight years, for about five of them, I think, we've, uh, the Lord has called us, I believe, to walk with uh, uh, couples. First, we thought, firstly, we just thought couples that are being engaged, but the Lord keeps expanding what He wants to do um, with people uh, in general. And in those five years that we have been, there's a few things that... Um, that, that, that the Lord has been teaching us. And uh, I'm not only talking about in this church, we, we lead the premarital ministry in this church, but um, we also do it uh, as, as private people, if I may say. And she also does it as part of her business. She's a bridal consultant. So she people come in from anywhere, may not know who the Lord is at all, and uh, she offers that service, and if they take it, she, she, she runs with it, or we run with it. So the reason why I want to pray is because I've seen that... Um, When it comes to these relationship issues, we have to approach it a little bit differently. It's almost like we cannot speak directly to reason and to logic when it comes to matters of the heart. Uh, Let me not say the heart, matters of the soul, because the soul is your your mind, your will and emotions, what you as a personality, what you as a person want, what you always thought you would be at a certain age. Those are your things, and um, I have learned that when dealing with this, it's almost like the, the Lord is showing me now a picture of uh, people, three people driving in a car. And uh, for most of our lives, the, the Holy Spirit is the driver. And maybe the, the soul is on the lens for, and, and the flesh is at the back, on the back seat. And it's almost like for most areas, we can drive nicely. In finances, we can drive. in when we're up in worship, we can drive. The Spirit can drive, sorry. But as soon as we see that roadblock of uh, relationship, that text that comes, or not even a text, because most of us, it's not even a text, it's just that that quick thought of, what well, it happened for me? Just when, when is me? What about me? As soon as that happens, it's almost like we switch drivers. And the soul begins to take that wheel. The soul begins to take the wheel. And um, that's what I want to pray about. Because I've learned, we have learned through the grace of God that we have to start there. We have to start there because these matters of relationships, they have to they have to be birthed from your spirit you cannot reason them most people that we sit with and and talk to or if i speak to a young guy he knows what he should be doing he knows he shouldn't be sleeping with his girlfriend or he knows he shouldn't ask her to abort the child or whatever he knows that you don't need to tell him that but there's something at in work in him that it's almost like it's beyond him and we've learned to to pray for that first so so just join me in prayer before we start uh father i'd like to thank you lord I'd like to thank you, Father. And I just want to prophetically declare that right now, Lord, that you will take your rightful place in the driving seat. That your Holy Spirit will take the rightful place in his driving seat. And we take ourselves out the picture, Father. Lord, we allow you to determine and dictate what happens in this whole area of our lives, Father. I know, Father, that we might have desires, Lord, but we, we die to them, Lord. Lord, I just prophetically declare that every single word that you have put my heart for today lord that it will land at the right place and it will remain there father that the holy spirit will remain the driver of that car come hell or high water come roadblock come doubt father that that you will remain the driving seat you will may remain the one calling the shots amen, amen. All right. so one thing um uh, we, we've seen some great things in our times talking about complication we've seen complications we've seen uh, couples who have um found out one of them is HIV positive while, while just about to get married, while engaged. We've seen, we've seen that, and we've seen them being delivered from it and proceeding into healthy families with children. We've seen that success stories. We've also seen the other side of it. We've seen couples who have never come back because he wanted a, his pants ironed in a certain, way, a certain way. You see, the thing of complication is not really uh, what it is. It's not the specific topic of what complicates the relationship I don't want to give you the answer now but I just want to create that to just to let you know that it's not so straightforward when it comes to relationships so the the, the whole point of uh, it being complicated um, before we get into it is I want to just open it up I know we, we got the series from Facebook so we use their terms I think single marriage and a relationship is the maybe I want to say that it's complicated applies to all of us, single, married, in a relationship. You may be both sides. You may be married and unhappily married or living in regret. Maybe you are happy, but you still see sister so-and-so who you thought should have been. Yeah. Or you just want to be single and married. You may be unhappy. You may be too happily married. Not in a bad way, but your marriage may be the best part of your life. It is what makes you so happy. It is what makes you think that you have achieved so much. It is the source. It is the cornerstone. It is the center pole of your identity. Who are you? I'm who and whose wife. I married this person. Both sides can lead to complication. You can be single. You can be single and uncontent. That's the one we speak about most. And that's why I'm saying why that message ministered to me. Because that's what I always thought it's just about people who are single and are uncontent or are struggling to, you know, keep their singleness. Yes, that leads to complication, but there's the other side of singleness. There is a self-righteous singleness. There is. You know, you're looking at me like that, but I, I <laughs> there is, you know, there, there's a singleness where you are so proud of how you are keeping yourself. And that the Lord is preserving you. Yes, He is, but because of your good works, before because of so much what you are doing. You are preparing a feast on your marriage day or whatever, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But um, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I relate to my own personal experience, you know, when, uh, when I was single, I, I, I sort of knew what to do. Let me say I was, I was well-churched. I knew what a relationship should look like when I get there. And while I was in the relationship, I knew what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And that is all great, you know. That is all great. Me and Emily had a very good courtship. Um, And when I met her, I found, yes, Lord, this is the due reward for my efforts. (laughs) And truly she was, truly she was, truly she was. But it brought complication because I felt that it was a reward. I felt Emily was a reward for how well I carried myself singly. Not to say I was perfect at all, but that's what I felt of myself. And I thought that was such a good thing until I got married. And that... Seeing her as a reward brought so many complications to us. You know there's a difference between a gift and a reward. If I save up for five years for a car and I go to MNZ and buy a car, and on the way home uh, there's a little light that comes on, just a small one in the corner, you know I'll turn that car around and go and, and complain and say, yeah, I just bought this car. But if I prayed for five years and some of, one of you guys gave me a car, and driving home, I see that little light, that little error, that something is wrong with it. Just in a small manner. I'll treat it totally different. I won't even go back to you. I'll live with it or I'll sort it out. Yes, yes. I, saw, I felt she was a reward and that complicated our marriage for the first, the last year. Let me just take the <laughs> I was trying to shorten the time, but till last year. Because last year was my year. Last year was my year for all of this. So both, both can lead to complication. You can be uh, in a relationship. Once again, we only speak about relationships that are not functioning well, that are dysfunctional. Maybe you guys are sleeping together. Maybe you've had a a few abortions. Or uh, maybe things are just not going right. You know, he's cheating or whatever the case may be. Yes, that's complicated. Or you can have a relationship on the other side that is, once again, going too well. And once again, is the cornerstone of your identity. It fits into your life plan of marriage. And regardless of what happens in this relationship... There is no way i'm coming out of this relationship that will lead to complications that will lead to complications it's the same thing it's just different sides of the coin so when we talk about it's complicated today we're speaking about uh both sides of them not not not, not just as a single person so the word complicated means literally if you just google it uh it means there are many variables at play there are, there are many different parts involved in this the word complex means once again many different parts and is therefore difficult to understand. And that leads me to my, really where I want to start landing. Uh, Not landing, but start with my point. (laughs) Is um, any relationship will be complicated if you are very alive to yourself. If there are many parts at play, if God has 98% and you still have two, it will be complicated. If God is 50-50, it will be complicated. Any relationship that has many things at play. I'm not talking about uh, other things, finances and what. I'm talking about God and you. That's it. Any relationship. Uh, purity. When, 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 when uh, uh, Philip spoke about purity, we, we, he expanded it so well. He spoke about not only sexual purity, because once again, we just stay there. Purity, if you think like apple juice, pure apple juice, is apple juice that is only apple juice. There's no mix of anything else. If you think of pure gold um, or pure diamonds like uh, uh, my sister in the beers there. A pure diamond or a pure gold is, is a gold alloy. Is, a, is something that's mostly gold, but a little bit of everything else just to keep it, you know? Pure gold is just gold. And a pure heart, a pure heart where God is the only one who decides and determines what happens in the relationship is the only way you can keep an uncomplicated relationship. Because, yes, if you are mixed, if you have a little bit of you, and understand we have will, we have a mind, we have a will, and we have emotions. And we have things that we are also saying, I also want this, Lord. For as long as you have that, my friends, it will lead to complication. So w- when I was... Um, so when God was really giving me this message, uh, because I learned in pictures, He asked me to sit down. And uh, sleep, <laughs> which is uh, counter to what I normally do, but I think that's him training me. And he and I slept a lot. Uh, I slept a lot while preparing this message. Um, <laughs> no, not in a bad way, people. It's, it's, it's. I'll explain it later why God had to do that. God had to take me out of the picture. Yeah. Uh, Shelter. When we, when they were praying for me, Shelter and Emily gave me a prophetic word just just a few minutes ago. On that, uh, that uh, God has given me, it, it is a time. It's my time. God has given me a mentorship to, to preach, and, uh, and um. He's always shown me that God has shown me that for many years. But He also knew that there was so much of me alive in me, and not in arrogance. It's just that, because I was, tr- I'm a trained uh, speaker. I speak for a living, and because I also studied the Bible diligently in a way. It's like as soon as a time would come to speak like this, I would bring so much of myself into this topic. And I would sit for hours and prepare and put everything correctly. And he kept taking that away. Bah, breaking it down, breaking it down. Until I can come to this very day where I can sleep and God can give me. Without me preparing, without me preparing and preparing from his place. From, from what he has uh, loaded into me as opposed from the other place. And that's, that's, that, that's purity of heart. God, God showed me this picture. He said, write down. You're speaking about relationships, huh? And then he said, yes. I said, yes. He said, write down your relationships. And this is what I wrote on a paper. I was in the middle of it. That nice guy there without a beard. And I had different people. I had different things. And I literally wrote it down. I had my parents who I love. I had my friends and colleagues. I had uh, my wife. Um, and I had God. Now, there's two things here that God showed me as I wrote it down, and I was so proud of myself, and he said, this is, this is wrong. I'll show you what he showed me later. He said, this is putting yourself at the center of it, putting somebody there like a parent. For my parents, let's say I want affirmation and approval. Or for the opposite sex, let's say my wife, I want love and affection. Um, uh, you see, it is like a two-way streak that I, I thought our relationship should work. I give her love and affection, and she gives me back something else. And for as long as that wasn't met, that, leaded, that leads to complication and dysfunction. And God showed me that this way, putting God as one of the many relationships that we are managing, is fundament, It's flawed. It's flawed. He's not a relationship that we are managing well. It's not our best and our most important relationship. Not at all. And He told me to cross this out. And he said, you don't need love and affection from your wife. You don't need praise from you guys or or approval from you guys. You don't need affirmation and approval from your parents. And that that shocked me. I said, how can that be? He started to speak to me about uh, 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 what what I knew as pride to be. Pride, you see, let's just read the scripture here. It says, Proverbs 13, verses 10, by pride comes nothing but strife. Very definitive words. Nothing but strife. Redefining pride, pride can be self-reliant, you relying on yourself, you trusting in yourself, self-esteem, self-consciousness, all these things that people promote in the world. They talk about YOLO or you do you. You know, those are, those are lies. You don't only live once, you live twice. And YOLO is used to, make, used to make decisions now that will affect your second life. Yet we still dive into it because it's a worldly thing. And pride, by pride comes nothing but strife. Strife is a term that is used for relationships. Strife means when any relationship there's a bit of anger or discord or friction or lack of clarity or boundaries. But And then we go on to James 3.16 saying, For where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. That is so strong. If you put them together, it says, By pride comes nothing but strife. And where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. For as long as as you are the center of what you are determining your relationships to be. We are speaking about uh, romantic relationships primarily. Uh, but it applies to everything. For as long as we are the center of it and we are the ones determining it. Then there will be confusion. There will be confusion. And there will be every evil work. So... When I crossed it out, what did the Lord show me? The Lord showed me this. Most of us... Um, he showed me Him in the center. He showed me Himself in the center of it. When you are relating to... When I'm relating to my wife, if I'm relating, you're relating to your boyfriend or your girlfriend, if, you, if, if God is in the center of it... Now, I know we use it so, that sentence so many times that we are at risk of putting our own things to it. Right in the middle of that consuming fire, there's a very, 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 very small picture of me. The dynamic has changed. God becomes the center of your life, of your relationship. The only relationship, it's not even a relationship, in fact, your life is hidden in Him. The Bible says that you, you are crucified with Christ, and there is, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. I mean, even now we're singing, all my delight is in you, Lord. There's no one else for me. That's what we are saying. There's, no, there's nothing else, not even myself. You know, and, and when we're worshiping, when we're singing that, um, God showed, I don't want to call you out, but my brother in the blue shirt, you know, he told me, when we when were worshiping that line, uh, God told me to open my eyes and look to my left, and I saw you, and I saw you weeping God's tears. And he was just showing me that, That's one thing he loves about you. He loves it so much about you. And you're saying that whatever he was telling you in that moment, I was going to tell you afterwards, but it's it's laid on my heart now. Whatever he was showing you, whatever was coursing through your spirit, whatever was coursing through your veins, whatever he was working, that's what you should keep. That's what you should keep. But he was loving that. He loves that about you. And that being hidden in Christ, once you have received all all that affirmation that I wanted from my parents, all the sexual desire that I wanted from my wife. Do you know that God can meet your sexual desires? It doesn't sound bad. Do you know God can, you can live a life like Pastor Chris spoke about eunuchs. Like Paul, like Jesus who lived a life where his every single desire was met. One of the main things we find um, with guys, especially I mentioned that we get people in from anywhere who don't know the Lord. Probably the main thing we have to speak about when it comes to this issue of, um, of, of either fornication or fall, uh, uh, sleeping together living together uh, masturbation the main thing the, the main thing is the fundamental belief that a man cannot go six months three months or a year without releasing sexually. I know it sounds a bit weird but that's exactly the the, 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 the speaking to the identity that needs to change just that, 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 that That core belief that you have, that yes, this thing must be met somehow, and I will meet it. If your life is hidden in the consuming fire of the Lord, and you receive all your affirmation from there, you receive all your affection from there, you receive receive all your praise, and even that love that I wanted, you receive it all from there. There's only one thing left, and you will just exude love to your relationships. It will be... It will be a one way, the other arrows were two ways. I give Emily this, she gives me that. This is a one way thing. You are so hidden in the fire of the Lord that you can't even help it. Every single relationship you are in, it's just a one way flow of love. It's just love flowing out, that's it. The Bible says that you should owe nobody anything but love. That's the only thing you owe people. The only maybe wisdom you need to apply is what type of love do you give, and to who. Because once you get here, then it's confused. Pastor, spoke, Pastor Chris spoke about the four types of love. He spoke about eros. He spoke about agape. He spoke about philia and storge. Um, I hope you, I hope you, oh, everyone caught that last week or two weeks ago. But if you give eros love, romantic love, to somebody you are even engaged to. Then it's inappropriate. It's incorrect. It will lead to dysfunction and complication. There is no one who deserves eros love except a wife or a husband, and that's it. You can learn. You can read up. You can read up. You can ask the Holy Spirit to show you what are the different types of love. How should I love the stranger? And if you if you might not be sure about how how to do it, then. Be safe and practice agape love, God's type of love. If you, if you search, uh, if you want your relationships to prosper, and if you want to have uncomplicated, one-way-flowing-with-love relationships, do yourself a favor and read what the Bible says about love. That, 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 that's what, that's what, a, a, what they call a biblical theology is. It's just a term, but it basically means you take a topic and you find out everything the Bible has to say about it. And you make your own conclusion. The Holy Spirit will show you the same thing. And contrary to popular belief, when you speak about love, it's not uh, emotion or affection even. If, you had to take, if I had to take two words that will best describe what the Bible uses to describe love, it would probably be sacrifice and giving. That's probably the best way to describe it. If you practice agape love flowing one way, constantly to your parents, yes, maybe they molested you or they abandoned you, sent you to another house. It doesn't matter. There's no arrow flowing back. There's a one-way arrow of agape love going to them. If you practice that for your wife. You practice that for your boyfriend, your girlfriend. I'm, I'm telling you, there is no way even uh, falling. I, I don't want to use that word because we're falling from what? Or, or what happened? What trip that made you fall? No. It is, it, is, it, is a, it is something that we have complicated. It's something that we have added uh, elements to. But if we just have a one-way flow after this person I'm courting, because in this picture... You will become what you basically are. What you basically are in every relationship is just God's extension of himself to the next person. Yeah. That's maybe the best way to put it. You are just, you are just God with a body. And, uh, and God is, so I'm here now in Emily's life. And all I am is a little, is God, is a representation of God to her. And I ask, okay, Lord, so what do you want to do to her, for her? Okay, good, 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 good. And that's what I do. There have been many times I've complained to the Lord about Emily. (laughs) Many times. And never once has he ever said, "Nehman, man, or she did what? How can she do that? Never. He has never taken my side. He has never taken my side when I I complain about somebody, or my parents. Even if they truly wronged me, he has never taken somebody else's side, ever. And I I didn't stop complaining, but I started to change the way I complain. Like Adam said, I would say, but Lord, this wife, you gave me this person. But um, what I'm saying is, we just have to have a one-way flow of love. And you know, I felt this, and I'm speaking from experience. You know, this thing that I'm speaking about was something that really hindered me for many years, is that I had so much pride, not in an arrogance way, but I was very aware of myself. I was very aware of myself. Um, and sometimes, even in self-pity, in a sense that God can, I'll be sitting there and God can tell me, hey, tell this to this person, or go up and say this. And I can—I the audacity once I've said, but Lord, I'm wearing shorts, and I didn't come. <laughs> I'm wearing shorts. It's about, it's about me. I didn't come up, you know? And the Lord had to work so much uh, on that. And then I, I, I struggled so much to a point where I, I went to, I started to see a counselor, counseling, here at our church. And why I'm saying this, where this picture comes from, is that one day in this, in this room, and I just want to say that, guys, especially for men, the issues that are playing at our hearts, you know, the Lord, has, <laughs> the Lord has given people gracings to help us to heal those wounds. And uh, many of those things you don't have to just keep and, like, uh, you know, muscle it out or try, work it out. That's, that's the definition of pride, to think that you are the solution to the problem that you hold. And I started going to counseling in that very room. And then um, one day, made my third session, was it Johandra? And. Uh, I was talking, I was complaining to the Lord, wow, what about this? What about this? And then I felt something here. I felt something. It's the first time in my life I've ever encountered the Lord after, eight years, after 10 years of being born again. First time I've ever really experienced and felt Him, God. He came here, around here, and He was like, like hot. It was like hot honey, a hot liquid coming here. First it came off my arm, and then He started, um, I felt the Lord laughing with me. Because I was, I was complaining to him, Lord, what about this? What about this in my childhood? Why is this not like this? And he came and he put his arm around me. And my, and my shoulders sagged with heaviness and my head dropped. And I think he realized maybe he's overdoing it and he lifted up a bit. But, but in that moment, it was almost like there was hot and he laughed. Like hot, hot liquid honey over my shoulders. And he just laughed at my every question, at my every complaint. My every desire, everything that I wanted Emily to be, everything I wanted to be for myself, my job and stuff like that, he laughed it all away. But I laughed with him. He didn't laugh at me. And in that moment, like in that approval moment, I realized when we get to the, when we get to the Lord, when we see him, these things that we say, like, no, I'm, I'm 38 and, uh, you know, I've had maybe so many abortions or I've slept with so many people that I don't even know what to do. I'm written off. Those things that we say, the Lord... Puts our, his hand around us and he laughs with us. And it melts away, it doesn't even become an issue for him. And the only appropriate response from that place, I'm telling you, is just love. You, just, you are so grateful and you just love. And that, <laughs> I'll, I'll speak forever of that day, but let's, let's move on. So, when we speak about uncomplicating our relationships, what are we saying? I will never take for granted the power of the gospel. And even though we are in a church and many of us are saved, there may be one. And the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess uh, your faith and are saved. You know, and there's a wonderful way to explain justification. It's just if I had never sinned just if I had never divorced just if I had he takes it all away if you do not have Jesus if you have not given I don't want to say given if you have not allowed him to come take what's rightfully his because it's not you giving your life to the Lord he takes what's rightfully his if you have not given your life to the Lord if you have not allowed him to take what he is that has to be a starting point to believe that you are justified and then the second uh, scripture is um, he says in Isaiah 44 verse 22 I have swept away your offenses like a cloud your sins like the morning l- mist pss- return to me for I have redeemed you. And this I only added after Wednesday we had lead lead and it's a leadership training here and they spoke about redemption. And he said oh, he said you see redeeming we only see it as if you redeem something like a coupon you went and you buy it you bought it back. You see, but there's another part of redemption. And that is, also, He has restored you to your original value. He has restored you to your original price. Regardless of what your journey has been for now. Many people are still lingering in relationships they haven't been because they think it's a lost cause. I've had so many people. I have so many... I've I've slept with so many people. There's no point now in trying to come start again keep myself pure. No. Redemption is not from the day I got saved nine years ago. Redemption is actually from like this afternoon. And last night also. And, and last week also. first uh, John 1 verse 7 says the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses us from all sin. Continuously cleanses us from all sin. And if you have an um, um, a, a identity, if you're not sure in, in what that means, it means that you may see yourself. As a lonely single person. Or you may see yourself as expired goods. Or you may see yourself as somebody who didn't steward life correctly. You may see yourself as all these things, and that's what's leading you to just say, There's no point now. Let me just continue in this. I'm here to say that the Lord has redeemed you, He has brought you back, and He also restored you to His original value. And He will continuously do that with your life hidden in Him. It says you must understand, you should understand and believe who you are in Christ. And this speaks to identity. Now, this sounds so cliché-ish. You know, know who you are in Christ. We hear it so many times. Once again, last year, first time it really hit me. If you don't know, you may know something in your head. You may know something in the Bible. You may know something is true of you. But if you don't know it in your spirit, then you, you cannot grab hold of it or you can for a moment. You can sit in a church like this and you can receive all that fire. You know, where it is. you know what it is. You know what I'm talking about. You're sitting here and you know when I go home, this is what I need to do. Or when he calls next time, this is what I need to do. And you feel it here. But as soon as you go home from the car park out, it starts to wane out and you go back to what, to what, to what you think you are. Identity speaks... Uh, Key, it says, the spirit searches the, even the, all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit with him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is of God. So that why have we received the spirit of God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. That's why I prayed for the Holy Spirit to be the driver, because He's the only one that can make you understand what God has truly given you in your relationships. He's the only one that can totally, totally make you have no needs from anybody else. It sounds such like a foreign concept, and I struggle to give this message because I'm only learning it now. But I know it's there. It's, it's there. You you can have no needs, and you can be fully fulfilled if you understand what the Spirit has freely given you. It says also in two chapters later, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not merely subject to human judgments. We are not, with the Spirit of God, we will not just make decisions based on what we think we want according to our list or according to this age now and he needs to or he must fit the bill or I can live with this, I can live with this thing about this person. We don't make decisions based on human human judgments. With the Spirit of God, we can make decisions about all things. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct Him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind, we have the will, we have the emotions of Jesus Christ. That's what we have at our disposal. So, as I I close with this, I just wanted to... Daniel, to come play, because I just want to spend some time uh, praying and in ministry. Um, Mark, um, just spend some time praying in ministry, and about three things. The first thing that I want to pray for is um, those who do not know Jesus, because they and we can put we can put together so many great presentations and 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 use great words, (laughs) but Jesus is the door. Jesus is the gate. Jesus said those words and was never prideful. He said, I'm the bread of life. And it wasn't out of pride. Because it was true and because God told him to say it. And Jesus is the door. And if you do not know the Lord, or you want the Lord, if you do not know the Lord, I want you to, um, sorry, maybe we can all just stand. If you do not know the Lord, I want you to just come up after we finish praying. Um, And I just want to have that time in ministry for us to begin there. Because that's the starting point. The Lord is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And He said that if you confess with your heart and believe with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And everything that the Spirit has brought for us will be freely given to us. So if you need that prayer, just come up afterwards. And the second thing I want to pray for, and I want us all to just uh, just to stand with me and to open our hands because by and large I'm praying for myself as well. And that is for the Lord to have full reign in my life. For the Holy Spirit to have the driving wheel, the driving the, the steering wheel. Every situation, every moment to live by the spirit continuously day by day as life unfolds, as decisions unfold. That we live according to that Holy Spirit because that's where it really matters. So, Father, I believe your words. I believe your words not in my head, Lord. I believe them in my spirit. And I believe them in my heart. And I'm believing them now, Lord, in my head as well, Lord. In that order, Father, you have given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. You have given us every legitimate desire that we have in our hearts in the era of relationships, in the era of being met romantically, Lord, physically, sexually, and emotionally. You have met that, Father, at the cross. Lord, I want to speak faith, Father God, over me and over everybody in this room. That we will grab these things, that we will That the heavens are open right now, Lord, for you to just deposit in the hearts, Lord, what you are saying. Father, we hide our lives in you, in the consuming fire hide our life in you father and we flow one way lord love lord to every relationship that you are bringing on our mind right now lord just ask the lord what would you do if you had agape love to every single relationship that's complicated right now what would the lord want you to do if he had your body if he had your phone if he had your words and your mouth what would he want you to do You may God bless all the God bless all the male tears and the male hearts in this room. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envindhook.org.